0: Hello, Northeast State family, friends, and bears everywhere! Welcome to the Sound Barrier. That's right, Northeast State's official podcast. We're coming to you live today from uh, the Entertainment Technology Studios here at Northeast State and the uh, Tech Building here on the Blountville campus. And I'm gonna start first to say uh, thank you to Entertainment Technology, all the fine staff and students who make this podcast happen. And if you're looking for a major, check out Entertainment Technology because. Uh, a ton of nice equipment, there's some really exciting things happening in the program. Well, where do we start with this episode? COVID. Yep, we've heard that word a lot, haven't we? It seems to permeate every part of our life for the past year, or maybe over a year now. It's affected every way of things we've done, places we can and cannot go, more emphasis on can't go, but it's certainly affected our frontline healthcare workers. That's why today a guest on our show is, is really, really proud and uh, happy she could could join us. Our guest today is Joy McLean, instructor of the Northeast State Nursing Program. She's been on the front line of of training a new generation of nurses, some first year, some who were in the middle of clinical rotations when the pandemic hit back in March of 2020. So Joy, welcome to the program. We're really glad to have you here on The Sound Barrier.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I guess we could start off. if you could talk a little bit about yourself, your background and how you came to teach here at Northeast state.
1: Sure. So, um, I came to Northeast state after working in healthcare for about 14 years. I have worked in women's health and pediatrics for most of my career. And as a nurse that would allowed me to, um, follow my husband around the world and work in a lot of different locations, including Texas, Tennessee, and even Germany. Oh, wow. And then I came to Northeast State um, and have really enjoyed the transition with teaching. A lot of a nurses job is got a lot to do with teaching anyway. So it was a, a very smooth transition and I've really enjoyed it.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah, the nursing program, I believe, started in 2009 and uh, we're pretty proud of and proud to have instructors like yourself there. now. In the absolute best of situations, uh, a nursing degree is a very challenging degree to pursue for any student. How has that been, um, I guess, compounded by by the pandemic and how nursing students have kind of had to almost live out uh, a healthcare crisis in real time?
1: So, um, you know, I've discussed with a lot of other nurses and many of them are uh, students that we've had in our program. And I don't wanna speak for anyone, but I think I echo their feelings that uh, this has been a, a real issue. We have all felt some political tension, but for the most part, um, for us in healthcare, it has still been very tangible. So we have felt the fatigue of the situation. Um, we watched as unit after unit was shut down and then reopened as COVID units. I know uh, one nurse who left her children during the holiday season to care for um patients with the virus. Nurses were trained really quickly um, to respond really quickly and then how to protect themselves and others was a big part of that transition of care because we weren't as concerned about family members coming in or v- visitors but we had to, be, to get very concerned with that. So um, we would have group chats where people would um, give shout outs even um, over text messages to see if we could um, give messages to family members from uh, that weren't able to come visit their uh, their loved ones so but the good news is is that we are seeing that hospitalizations Due to COVID, has decreased in the area, and some of the floors are returning to their typical function. So,
0: like you talked about, they're clearing out some of the COVID wards now. I know the the uh, the number of positive cases have certainly dropped. We've seen that across the uh, kind of across our region, and I, I guess somewhat, mostly somewhat across the country. If they're still up here and there, but it, there's a decline as more vaccinations se- seem to go through and all that. Uh, now, but since since you were talking about the healthcare system it certainly was kind of overwhelmed and, and, and just in so many ways. What, what have you heard from students in their clinicals about just how they managed going into the, going into the hospitals and going into the facilities uh, and how they kind of coped with the screening and, and everything that's going on?
1: Um, so the, you know, the nurse's biggest challenges is, um, is always going to be taking care of the patient first. And even when students are going into their clinical settings, that's, that is our main goal is to make sure that the patients are taken care of. So COVID of course presented problems with resources such as our personal protective equipment. And that would be, you know, gloves, gowns, mask, things that usually we would have plenty of resources with. We were running a little bit lower on those. And then equipment. So if you think about respirators, there's actually, there's actually people in our community who will inventory how many respirators we have in the hospital uh, every single day. And they start making sure that, do we have enough in the area? So we know that our equipment were getting was getting low, our rooms were low, and we had a lot of, of staff shortages. Because of course, when your nurses were sick, there, was, there were not people there to take care of the patients. So um, lots of you know, lots of issues and concerns with our students going into those clinical situations. And then there's also the ethical dilemmas that they would come in contact with. Um, You know, ethically, it felt very uh, strained or very difficult for us to say, you know, no visitors or your family members weren't allowed to be in those hospital rooms. So, um, so there was a lot of, you know, issues that sort of bubbled up to the surface with this.
0: Right. Now, how um, this pandemic and and kind of, Taking what uh, maybe, we, for lack of a better term, learned on the fly or learned in the moment, how, how has this kind of changed healthcare education specifically? Of course, in nursing, uh, how is that going to evolve in the next few years?
1: There's the academic information which we will see in our textbooks, such as you know COVID nineteen disease process and ultimately what we um, are being are using to treat COVID nineteen. We have drastically improved treatment for covid uh, with inclusion of convalescent plasma proning patients and some of the antiviral medications and you know as a result we have seen the survival rate in some studies go from 25.6 percent death rate once they were admitted into the hospital in um, in march of last year all the way down to 7.6 by this past june which is a drastic decrease and really shows that we're starting to get a handle on how to treat that. And I think those things will certainly come into our academic um, realm as we teach uh, students what they need to do to, treat, to care for these patients. Proning is actually something, it's a positional technique. So uh, typically you would see it in your neonatal intensive care units mm-hmm. where uh, infants would be having difficulty breathing or with their oxygen exchange. And it's really interesting because this isn't something we've ever done for adult patients and we started doing that. So so we are no. starting to teach different techniques and different things that's come to, um, to the forefront. You also have a functional side of healthcare that COVID has shed a lot of light on. So for instance, FEMA, which is the Federal Emergency Management Agency, is responsible for preparing healthcare teams to work during crisis. And typically these are weather related or um, they may be on a smaller scale epidemic uh, related, so maybe a salmonella outbreak with food. But we have seen this agency in the past year do a much grander scale of, um, of care. And so we should be, giving, our, we should be g- giving a huge shout out to our public health um, friends, because they've carried a a very large load during all of this. Um, but we've been able to see the importance of this training on a much larger scale. So it will be interesting to see, you know, what we've learned from that emergency response to COVID and what challenges that we, um, that we've faced with it. I don't think that I would be able to tell you exactly how our education is going to change at this point mm-hmm. because we're still working on a lot of it. So we still have a, a lot of information that's coming in. We have literally seen the scientific method in the process and it's been on the front stage for America to see. So,
0: a pr- pretty exciting thing, too, yeah. for as far as hopefully how we handle things down the road, coming down the road, of course. Absolutely. And what, now, what if students? told you about their biggest challenge in caring for patients during clinicals, but also maybe graduates who you still are in touch with or just your own colleagues of nurses. What's been like beyond just the science of it, the the, sure. the connection of the patient?
1: So I think there's a fear of, you know, bringing stuff home to people's families. I think there's a fear of becoming infected themselves. A lot of our students, they work. And so, you know, becoming ill means that they don't have, you know, financial means to keep uh, their, you know, their livelihoods going. So I think certainly there's some fear. There's also um, a really strong desire to communicate and relate with our patients. And that's hard when you have a mask, a face shield, you're gowned completely up uh, to, to get that human connection with your patients. But certainly we've had um, our students and our nurses in this area have gone above and beyond to, to make sure that those patients are well taken care of and that they're meeting those emotional needs.
0: How many nursing students went through this cohort or just, just approximately?
1: Okay, so um, when COVID hit, that would have been March, 2020. We all know that day, right? Oh yes, <laughs>
0: burned in our brains forever.
1: But, um, so we had 46 students that were in the cohort to graduate that semester and um, so that's uh, 40, 46 students that were going through the program and just about to graduate and then everything kind of came to a halt. So they're getting ready to, you know, to start their new lives and everything kind of came to a halt. But they did a great job of being resilient and getting, th- getting through some of the turmoil and we actually get information back on you know how they've done with like their professional licensing to you know how were they able to perform were they able to take the test get their license and start um start on the floor as a registered nurse and our um our feedback was that 93 percent of those students passed their NCLEX or their uh, national licensing board accreditation wow Uh, they passed that with the first time test which is very impressive. They did an amazing job. We're really proud of them.
0: Oh, definitely. We give, given all that happened. Yes. Since that's that is fairly amazing to get 93% pass it through yes. now. Um, how did in March of course of last year, the clinical shut down. When, when did, when did students start being allowed to go back into clinical rotations? Um, here at some of, some of our, with our, some of our partner facilities. Um,
1: so clinical rotation ceased in March. There was no students that were allowed to go into the units. Now, like I said, a lot of our students work, um, in hospitals already, but for clinical reasons, they were not uh, allowed to go into the hospital. And then we were allowed to get everybody back into the hospital, uh, in June of that year, so oh, by okay. the summer.
0: Okay. Now, were there any students that just said, even, even second year moving along, they just said, look, I can't do this. This is not why what I signed up to do. I don't want to be a nurse. And, and, no, I don't want to do this. Did you have any that?
1: So the nursing program is a little bit different in that there is some hurdles to even get into the program. Yes. So, uh, it's usually students who really want to be there and their ultimate goal is to care for, for patients. They're, they statistically, uh, join nursing because they just care for people, and so I didn't see a whole lot of people who are who are getting out of the um, of the program for that reason. You know, we may have one or two every semester that just decide that nursing wasn't for them, mm-hmm. but I didn't see anything out of the ordinary.
0: Okay, so everybody was very stick with it. Every dedication is, yeah, is a big thing in the nursing. We have a really field. good
1: dedicated group of students. So
0: when um. Now, where do nurses, where do nurses go for support after you know a twelve plus hour shift, three days in a row? And you've, they go home to their families, and of course you got the responsibilities there. But where did nursing nurses go to get their own emotional and mental support?
1: So we, we do a really good job of turning to each other. Um, So most of nurses have nursing friends that they are able to call on and rely on for, you know, just help emotionally. Uh, The state of Tennessee has also put out a, um, a COVID emotional support line. So they're able to contact them. And then there's also Ballot Health has an emotional support, uh, set up for their, uh, for their employees. To make sure that everybody is being taken care of.
0: Okay, cool. It's
1: interesting that you that you said that though, because there are a lot of um, psychiatric diagnoses that are coming about with spec- with specifications to COVID. So, um, you know, uh, COVID crosses fatigue or something. Of, I don't know exactly if that's the wording, but they will show up in our DSM six which is you know the list of all of our psychiatric diagnoses they will mm-hmm. come up uh with the next edition so
0: oh wow yeah the the trauma i don't think we're even starting to understand the trauma of all this we may not for several years but i don't know I've always, Absolutely. I was, you see the nurses and i guess just from experience with family members the, the nurse is kind of the lifeline to the whole care or at least that's what my observation experience of it has been
1: we think we are we think very highly of ourselves (laughs) well
0: yeah and with every you have every right to
1: we just we really enjoy taking care of our patients we we love being involved
0: what are things pandemic related that um, nursing education may incorporate in the next few years based on the experience we have now
1: well like i said i really do think that they'll start incorporating more uh, emergency preparedness so Mm -hmm. even though you know FEMA's been around forever, and there are certainly lots of people in the community that's trained for that. Uh, for everyone to be on the same page during a large-scale crisis will be really important, and yeah. so I think that we will see some more incorporation of that in our uh, in our educational programs.
0: Okay. Is um you mentioned also mentioned the public health sector? Nurses have. It's not just hospitals and doctors' offices nurses have a wide a pretty wide career scope that they can go into for people who who need a, need nurses be be it public health systems um, I know the the military is open for nurses as well um, can you talk a little bit about the the career some of the career opportunities that are out there for nursing
1: okay so that That is a loaded question because I don't, (laughs) (laughs) we have a lot of different avenues. So myself, I went into women's health and pediatric, but, you know, certainly there's all these different specialties that you see in the hospital. You also see public health nurses who are, you know, right now at Bristol Motor Speedway giving vaccinations. Uh, You also have... Uh, nurses who do mostly case management. So all of these patients that are in the hospital or sometimes patients that were just sent home uh, have case manage- managers who are nurses who will make sure that they're following through with doctor's appointments. You know, the, the, obje- uh, the objective is to keep the patient out of the hospital. So you have mm-hmm. lots of people who go into that uh, trying to meet, those, meet that objective. You also have home health nurses. So, women who are nurses who go into the homes of these patients and you know try to take care of home health is really interesting, actually, because you have uh, you have a a view of what your patient is actually doing, what they're actually seeing. So, when you go into a diabetic's household and they you know they've been telling you I've been sticking with my diet and things have been going well, and then they say my my doctor's allowed me one diet coke. And you say, okay, that's fine. And you see that they're putting maybe 10 teaspoons of sugar into the Diet Coke. Then you're able to address. Oh, dear. Oh, that's, you know, this is what this is the reason your blood sugar is running high. So home health nurses out there. You also have, uh, let's see. You even have Ask a Nurse where you're literally at home and you're just sort of uh, discussing phone calls with patients to try to make sure that they're um, that they're being cared for. You talked about the military nurses. Um, mm-hmm. I actually was able to contract with the military and it's, and it's really neat to see what all they're doing because they have, you know, they have, uh, people down range and they're able to stick a stethoscope on a patient and the, the doctor or the physician that's in the clinic, Mm -hmm. Um, not downrange is able to listen and be able to diagnose and treat the patients from you know I don't know where where exactly they are sometimes they're in Germany sometimes they're in stateside so
0: right it just takes a a nurse can be can really adapt to a lot of a lot of different I guess care settings you could say because it's it's a very diverse way in in which care is delivered now as, as opposed to maybe in you know years past now, I know one. we do know about one student that um, was able to receive a grant uh, to kind of stay in, stay in the program. If you want to talk a little bit about that, that's kind of an interesting story as well.
1: Absolutely. So um, we try to make sure that all of our students know about the CARES Act because it is, uh, it is a way that they can maybe tap into some resources and during this time, we had one of our students who was able to apply for a grant, and she was able, and she was granted financial assistance that would get her through the program. It would uh, allow, it even is gonna pay for like her testing, so her board, mm-hmm. te- her board testing. And so we have a, a lot of students who, you know, if they're single, if they have kids, if they're already working, you know, that really provided them the ability to focus on completion.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that's a really good thing, a really good thing for her. Uh, Now I'm also told that we have uh, a couple of new teaching tools there. The nursing program is housed, by the way, in the Regional Center for Health Professions there in Kingsport, in the Northeast State at Kingsport campus. And I understand we've got a couple of new teaching tools. Uh, Well, maybe one is not, one is a little newer than the other, but uh, if you want to talk about either one of those and kind of uh, explain how they work?
1: Okay, so, you know, I'll uh, back up just a little bit to Mm -hmm. say that, you know, during the COVID process, we had to become a little more, um, we had to become really flexible with how we were teaching our students. And we needed new innovative ways to be able to make sure that these students were prepared to go up and care for patients on the floor. Uh, We started using uh, virtual simulation, which is a computerized program. And it tests students on clinical decision-making and action-based click fields or through action-based clicked fields as well as fill-in-the-blank answers. And literally the patient communicates their needs and their health condition and their, uh, their vital signs and you know, the information that you need to care for the patient uh, comes up as the, as the student is working through the patient's care. So the patient will get worse or better depending on student's answers. While that was great, and our students could do that on the computer, what was really awesome is that we were able to get a sim man, a simulation man, to bring into our actual lab. And again, his, uh, our students are able to input information into, um, into what they would actually do in a particular situation. So if the if the patient needed an an IV um, an intravenous catheter, then they could do that, and then the the uh, simulation man would um, respond appropriately. So he may say, "Ouch, you stuck me," or wow. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So, um, so lots of different stuff they can do. The sim man can do heavy breathing, so the students can listen to their lung fields. They can listen to uh, cardiac rhythms. They're able to, um, sometimes our nursing instructors can play around and, you know, make our sim man go uh, to a di- downward spiral just to see what students are doing during their crosses oh, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And so if they're not treated appropriately, though, we would see that the patient digresses in with that virtual simulation. We also have a, um, and we have had a birthing mannequin for quite some time, but we got a new one that you're actually able to um, do pelvic exams with, which is really important when you're talking about labor and delivery. And uh, and so it's been really good to be able to incorporate those things into our office because students need that hands-on experience, and they need to be able to walk through it without maybe you know, jeopardizing an actual patient. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. So.
0: I don't want, don't want a want of people in there. Yes. But now for every, so for every like encounter with simulation, man, is all that data captured in like a, a file that, oh, this happened and his blood pressure went to this or?
1: So I'm not sure if it like records anything, <laughs> but um, our instructors are sitting there and we're able to sort of,
0: Monitor the whole, gauge event. what's okay.
1: going on, and be able to say what, what, you know, maybe they need to have an intervention. <laughs> yes. So, uh,
0: what in just from your experience and what what you do, what makes a good nurse, or what what gets you from the first day of nursing school to passing the board exam and getting that getting that RN and becoming a nurse? What what okay. makes that? So first,
1: I would start with how do you get through nursing school? Yes. That's a big one. Um, uh, Like I said, just getting into nursing school, there are plenty of hurdles to jump. But then once you get in there, you see there's some key elements that really facilitate, um, facilitate achievement for our students. One of them is that they're a cohort. So they go through all of their courses together. They are aligned together. So when they're doing a medical surgical and uh, maybe they're doing a mental health class, they're all in those same classes together. Mm -hmm. This helps with that relationship. And I already talked about, you know, nurses really depend on other nurses for that emotional support. Well, our nursing students certainly depend on each other for emotional support as well. And then they're also able to make like study groups. So one of our key things that we really try to emphasize with our students is get into a study group and it's really interesting to see the grades when you know they're sort of floating along and then they join a a study group and you really see that improvement on their grades and and what they're actually comprehending and able to grasp. Um, And then also students who take advantage of you know, coming in and discussing things after hours with their instructors. That really helps to, uh, to, um, to get the student beyond the classroom, to help them um, understanding some of the, um, some of the analysis of, you know, of our, our exams or of their time, at clinical so we really see a big improvement with those students who take advantage of coming in and talking to the instructors when they have an opportunity to do so and then what so what makes a good nurse mm-hmm. um, you know the number one thing is is to care and you can't teach people to care that is something that you know even if uh, even if you're not great at it when you first start nursing you sort of learn how to do so, so how not to be judgmental, how not to um, jump to conclusions, and I think, like I said, after fourteen years of nursing, that's something I can even see in my journey is how much better i can I can care for a patient you know you can't teach that and you can't um, you can't teach somebody that if something's going on with someone and you just don't know what's going on, you need to go on you need to go to the next person who could right and you know that takes. That takes effort and that takes uh, time, but uh, you're really good nurses. You see them do that.
0: Truly, yeah, that's a good observation. Joy, we have come to the three-question rapid-fire response. Are you ready for it? Yeah. No, no, three quick (laughs) questions, rapid fire. It's it's they're pretty simple. If you want to elaborate on your answers, please do so. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. Question number one, Netflix or Amazon Prime?
1: Um, Hulu.
0: (laughs) Hulu? Oh, wow. Okay.
1: (laughs) I've really gotten into Hulu. And um, the fact that I can fast forward through uh, some of the commercials now is really nice, too. And also you have the, what's the um, YouTube TV I like that one a lot. YouTube too. TV
0: is very, very sweet. That
1: is nice, yes. right? Oh yes. Okay, so th- thats my answer.
0: Hulu, Hulu, okay.
1: Hulu and YouTube TV.
0: All right, cool. All right. Um, question number two. Okay. Mocha or pumpkin spice?
1: Oh, that depends on the season, but um, I'm going to go with pumpkin spice.
0: Pum- yeah. I'm that girl. It's a fall. Hey, pumpkin <laughs> spice is beloved around around the world. Pumpkin spice. All right, question, question number three. Now this is a bit, this might be a bit off, but it's it's kind of been in the news too. But and and I I ask this one a lot because it's just of interest. Mars rover or Falcon Nine? Mars rover. Mars rover.
1: I want to see what's on there. I want to see what's going on. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's pretty exciting to see land and like it's got the it's got the uh, the drone now that that can fly around, which is amazing. Yeah. Okay, Mars rover. All right. Yeah. Well, no love for Elon Musk this time, but well, maybe next time. Um, <laughs> anyway, Joy, we have come to the end of this of this episode, but can't thank you enough for for coming out here and uh, uh, being on the Sound Barrier. We appreciate it more than you know.
1: Thank you. This has been a, a really cool experience. I've loved getting to tour the place and see what y'all are doing here.
0: Oh yeah, it's 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 exciting. We got big things happening here. Big things happening. But again, we're glad to have you here and glad you joined us today. Thank you. Well, that's it, for friends and fellow bears. Another Sound Barrier episode in the books. As you come to this episode, make sure you uh, check out this episode and all the great episodes we've done so far at thesoundbarrier.com or thesoundbarrier.net. And when you get there, either one of those websites, just smash that old subscribe button and you can listen to us on any Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, iHeartRadio. Overcast, Stitcher, any of those channels—we're out there. Even Pandora and Spotify. Yes, you can find us on Spotify. Again, that's thesoundbarrier.com, and you could always check out Northeast State Community College at northeaststate.edu. Again, that's northeaststate.edu. So that's it, friends. That's all we have for this episode of the Sound Barrier. And until next time, take care.